Hello and welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. I am Noel T. Manning II. So good to see everybody. Glad you are here. Glad that you took the time to spend with us. We do talk movies right here each week uh, on C19 TV. And if you're listening to the radio version, that's WGWG.org. We've got uh, Adam Long back with us. Uh, Adam from uh, Focus Newspapers and also Movie Geeks United. Adam, good to see you, man. Glad you could join us. Oh, glad to do it. Always enjoy it. And uh, Thomas Manning is back. He's taken a little bit of a hiatus. I think he was uh, sleeping late during the last few shows that we've had. So glad to see you back, man. I mean, thanks for calling me out like that, but you're not wrong. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wrong. Yeah. I'm not wrong. Well, we have got a ton to try to cover uh, today. And, and of course, you know, we invite Greg Tillman, but Greg, he keeps saying he's got all these dental appointments. And I got to tell you, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with this guy's teeth, but he must be having some major issues. <laughs> That's all I've got to say about that. All i got to say about that. Well, man, um, anybody who knows me knows that I've been a fan of the movie Citizen Kane uh, going back uh, to, to college, was when I really got into uh, Citizen Kane. Uh, I did a uh, school project on it and uh, ended up just falling in love with the art of that particular film. Weren't you actually in college when it came out originally? Uh, uh, Mr. Oh, sorry, sorry, I missed, yeah, I was a few, <laughs> few years off there, okay. Such a funny guy. Well, there is a new film that looks at the writing of Citizen Kane, and it's called Mank, and it's a film, actually, I've been waiting for all year. If you go back to January, uh, Thomas, you and I were talking about films on our must-see list for the year, and that one was on my must-see list, so I'm glad it's here. Um, David Fincher is the director of this, and his dad wrote the original screenplay for Mank uh, back in the late 1990s, and uh, he passed away in uh, 2003, and so this, this movie, this script kind of set on a shelf. David Fincher's been wanting to do it, and finally it's come to fruition, uh, thanks to him and also Netflix for, uh, for bringing this to life. It does look at the life, it's a biopic on uh, Mankiewicz, who was the uh, writer, uh, and, and in this particular film, he was pretty much the sole writer with just a few changes along the way. Uh, this film is pure art. Uh, it's not going to be a film that the general moviegoer is going to be uh, intrigued with. They're not going to be drawn to this. Uh, the way this movie is shot, it's shot uh, in a 1930s style. It's written in a 1930s style. It is in black and white. Uh, it is a, a film that honestly, as I watched it, I think it could have been produced in the 1930s. It's a perfect classic Hollywood film in so many different ways. The lighting, the shot selections, the editing, uh, even uh, when they would change scenes, they would, you would, it would type it out. So it was almost like you're watching a script being typed out so you know what those scenes are, are going to. There's flashbacks like you would see in Citizen Kane, there are time shifts. Uh, and uh, Gary Oldman, I, I, gotta, I can't say enough about Gary Oldman. I think come award season, uh, we're in award season now as we're, we're looking at consideration. He's going to be getting some love. I really think he is going to be getting some love. Uh, the casting across the board for this was really, really solid. Uh, Amanda Seyfried's in this movie, uh, along with uh, Lily James and Charles Dance, who plays uh, a, a very interesting Hearst. Uh, and uh, William Randolph Hearst. I, I, I really appreciated this film. Uh, I, who's going to love this? I think if you're a Citizen Kane fan, you're going to love it. If you're a film buff, if you're a historian, uh, if you really want to get into narrative, 
this will be a film that will draw you in, but it does require quite a bit of investment. Two hours and 11 minutes, which is not a long film. I mean, you think about the Avengers films uh, and, and the MCU films, those, those have been running a whole lot longer, but it is a very dialogue driven film. So it's, it's not, uh, you're not gonna have Fight Club here. You're not gonna have Michael Bay's uh, aliens from another, uh, another mother coming in to destroy the world. Uh, it does take careful uh, consideration, but I, I've got to say it probably is one of the most creative and imaginative biopics I've seen this year. So uh, for, for overall art, I'm giving this a solid A+. General audiences probably are, like I said, going to be a B minus or a C. They're not going to really be able to get into this. But for me, I'm settling uh, at a solid A rating for the movie Mank. And I do want to recommend watching Citizen Kane first before checking this out. Any thoughts, comments, questions? Sounds like my cup of tea. I'll tell you that. Because <laughs> I'm one of those people you're talking about. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I cannot wait to see it. I'm so excited. Of course, I'm a big David Fincher fan anyway. Uh, I think he's, um, he's a real talent, and, and I admire what he does with his um, with the, the pull that he has. He, he uses that pull for good, good purposes. So, uh, yeah, great. All right, Mank, uh, that is a Netflix film. Uh, it is in uh, select theaters uh, as well as on Netflix. Thomas, any questions? Uh, yeah, where would you say this ranks in your uh, personal ranking of Fincher's filmography? Oh, wow. Uh, well, it's such a different kind of Fincher film. Uh, I think from uh, Fincher's always been creative. Uh, that's not been anything that, that's been uh, difficult for him. But uh, I think probably if you were going to ask uh, Fisher that question, he might say this ranks pretty high because I, I felt like it was a love letter to his father who came up with that original script. And so I think he'll rank it pretty high. Uh, I'm gonna go back and revisit it, but I, it's, it's on my top movies of the year just because of the artistic appreciation for it as well. All right, uh, Adam, uh, talk about uh, an artist, uh, a comic artist, a comic genius. John Belushi was somebody that I loved uh, back when he was alive. <laughs> you know, I, I still love him, uh, even though he's not alive. I still love going back to his to his comic, uh, comic work on uh, stage when he did stand-up comedy, when he was on SNL, and also his movies. So I want to get you to talk about this uh, biography documentary uh, featuring some, um, some interviews that we've never heard before on James Belushi. I'm sorry, John Belushi. John, yeah. Well, James appears in the film, so you're not far off. Uh, that was his brother, of course, who's still active in film and television today. Uh, yeah, this is a documentary. Uh, it's surprising that it's taken this long to do a documentary about John Belushi, considering what an iconic figure he is. I know that's an overused word, but I guess it fits the subject at hand. Um, yeah, uh, it's, I'm surprised this hasn't been done a long time ago. Uh, but the basis for this film is Tanner Colby, the author, had written a uh, 2005 oral history about John Belushi. Um, I would highly recommend that to yeah, sure. anybody who's, who's a fan, but I mentioned this because uh, the audio interviews that Tanner Colby conducted to, for that book have been, the audio tapes are the basis of this film. And a lot of these people have sadly passed on since then, Harold Remus among them, and they basically give their personal recollections of John Belushi, what it was like working with him, and they animate some of this 
these recollections that are done in a very creative way. That's one of the things I like about it. Uh, so you get a sense of his childhood by the uh, the animation that they that they do. Um, the early stuff is covered really well. Uh, I think they're pretty thorough about that. Uh, and then they get into the SNL stuff, and then they kind of gloss over the film career. Uh, I felt like they left some stuff out. Uh, Going South is not even mentioned. Uh, which was his, I think, film debut and directed by Jack Nicholson. That's a pretty big film, and uh, Mary Steenburgen was in that with him. I think that was her debut. Not even mentioned. Uh, 1941 is mentioned in passing. I realize he was just a, a kind of a, a bit player in the film and had a, a smaller part, but his part is quite memorable. And uh, his part is probably about the same size as, as the one he had in Animal House, truth be told. Um, and that's fairly, that's rarely mentioned either. Uh, so there's some glossing over of things, uh, but then and then you know it gets into the the uh, his appetite for life and um, substances, shall we say, and just basically everything. This is a man with a huge appetite for everything, and uh, it basically got the best of him. Um, it's a real sad tale because you know you see that there was a moment when he probably could have uh, been saved, but uh, they they all tried their best and. Uh, it doesn't take much just to be off guard for, for just a little bit, and, and things can take a terrible turn, as this movie shows us. Uh, but there's some really interesting home movie footage, uh, just a lot of stuff that we've not seen before. And like I said, his widow gives us some really um, insights, uh, interesting insights. So overall, it's good. I, I would recommend it. Um, but I think I wish if there was something I could change about it, it would be that I wish there were a little bit more thoroughness when it comes to the, his film career and uh, gotcha. you know, trying to find his feet post SNL. So there you go. And what is your rating for this from an uh, a B plus? Belushi is now available on. There you go. Yes. <laughs> All right. It started November twenty seventh. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, it debuted on the twenty second. Um, yes. Thomas, uh, we're going to go to you, man. We've got uh, an interview, uh, not an interview, we've got a, a personal history to explore. Uh, David Copperfield, it's a movie. Can we get your thoughts on this, man? Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah, so this is adapted from a Charles Dickens novel and uh, directed by Armando Iannucci, who you might know as the director of The Death of Stalin. Uh, he's also been involved with Veep, the uh, I think it's HBO series, and a uh, very uh, Emmy-nominated director and writer, um, ton of talent behind this one. Fantastic cast, nominated for a BAT, BAFTA for best casting. You have Every names like uh, you have Dev Patel, you have Peter Capaldi, Hugh Laurie, Tilda Swinton. Uh, just really charismatic and charming group of individuals, and uh, that's just I guess charismatic and charming is the best way to describe this film. It's just kind of bubbling with all of those warm good feelings um but it's a really interesting journey chronicling this one character who has to really find his way out of nothing and uh, make a name for himself uh, it's really an ode to the power of like the inspiration of the artistic process um where artists get their inspiration uh whether that be from other artists or from personal events in their own lives um, it kind of depends from person to person, but for this, it happens to be that um, he makes his break as a writer from telling stories in a roundabout way from his own life. Um, he he really is, um, I think Devin Patel really captures this role more than anybody else could have. Um, Patel was nominated for an Oscar for Lion, I believe, 
And uh, I don't know if he'll garner a nomination for this one, but uh, his just charisma is really something to behold. Um, of course, as a period piece, the sets and the costumes are absolutely beautiful. Probably going to see some Oscar buzz there as well. And the score from uh, Christopher Willis, one of my favorite scores I've seen this year. Wow. Uh, took me a minute to settle into the pacing of this film as it kind of uh, sets a look at different periods of this person's life. Um, it kind of had to gain its footing, mm-hmm. but I would say the middle 60 to 70% of the narrative is where it really hit its stride. And um, the beginning and the ending kind of lost me at certain points, but overall, very pleased with personal history of David Copperfield. My screening link uh, was having some issues with buffering, so that might have uh, kind of inhibited my ability to really get with the groove, but uh, still uh, very appreciative of what we had here with personal history of David Copperfield. Uh, not to be confused with the illusionist David Copperfield, completely different individual. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I would certainly recommend it. I'm sitting at, at about a B plus, um, but I, I think Maybe upon rewatch, there's more that I could find to appreciate. Maybe take it up to an A minus or so. Okay, B plus. And where can people find this particular movie, Thomas? I believe it is available on VOD and streaming at this point. Okay, good deal. Uh, appreciate that. Appreciate you guys spending time with us. I'm Noel Manning along with Adam Long and Thomas Manning right here on Meet Me at the Movies on C19 TV and WGWG. We appreciate you spending time with us. Please take a Take a little bit of an intermission. If you need to go get some popcorn from the lobby uh, or get a, like a, an icy, you can go do that. Or if you need to take a little restroom break, you can do that. We're going to be right back with more reviews right here on Meet Me in the Movie right after this quick intermission. They're going to put me in the movies. They're going to make a big star out of me. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. not hidden there's never been a moment you were forgotten you are not hopeless though you have been broken your innocence stolen I will send out an army to find you And welcome back to Meet Me at the Movies. I am Noel T. Manning II. Uh, we appreciate you being with us. Always, always appreciate that. 
Adam Long is back with us from Focus Newspapers and also Movie Geeks United. And uh, Thomas Manning is just a geek. And so uh, there you go. We're glad to have him <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, and uh, appreciate you guys uh, spending time with us. Uh, Adam, uh, we're going we're gonna to switch things up. And we're going to let you uh, come back in here and uh, give us a review uh, of a film. And this is a, a Netflix film that's a little bit different. It's got a social commentary, but it does it in a very unique way. The movie is called His House, and I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this, and this is available now on Netflix. Yes, uh, this debuted at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year. It was getting a little buzz, uh, getting a pretty good word of mouth. Uh, it's essentially uh, the story of a couple who were refugees from the Sudan, and they um, make their way to England uh, to Britain, I guess you would say. And anyway, um, they are assigned a house to live in by the government, and this house turns out to be haunted, basically, and basically haunted by things that they've seen, spirits of things that they've seen in their past, and uh, we come to find out that they had a daughter that was lost during their journey over here. They, they jumped on, they uh, hopped on a boat to escape their war-torn country, and they, they took a daughter, they, they brought their daughter with them, and uh, their daughter did not make the journey, and so they're haunted by visions of that. And then there's a, a little bit of a twist at the end of the film, which I won't reveal too much uh, of. I don't want to, but it, uh, things aren't quite exactly as we were led to believe earlier in the film, but uh, the movie is very atmospheric. Very well directed. Uh, Remy Weeks, I think, is the director. Uh, first timer, I believe. Yeah. Uh, these uh, the cast here are, are mostly newcomers, um, people that most of us wouldn't know, but but very capably a, a, a bunch of capable performers, I guess you would say. It's well acted. Um, I think what hurts this film for me is seeing it on the small screen. I think this is the perfect. And it's a good film, don't get me wrong, but I think it would be 10 times better to see it in a theater with an audience because this is the kind of movie that really uh, illustrates to me what we're missing during these times of the pandemic, which we, we can't help, obviously. There's, there's nothing that we can do about that. But you just miss something. I think uh, I could just visualize being in a theater with a, with a bunch of strangers, and I think I probably would have really been creeped out with some of this stuff seeing it uh in a in a darkened theater on a huge screen yeah. uh, seeing it at home it's still effective and uh it, there's a lot to recommend there and i would recommend it um and i'm going to give it a b plus okay. by the way uh, so it's it's very solid but i just think that um had had we been able to see this in a theater it really would have uh stayed it would have stayed with me even more so but but still recommend it b plus you do. Yeah, I, I think you're right. There are certain films that because of that atmosphere, because of the audience and being with people and engaging it in that darkened theater, I, I think, yeah, I, I get you. I completely get you. And, and let me share that with Mank as well. Uh, Mank is just such a beautiful piece of art. I would love to see that on a huge, huge screen. Uh, and uh, I think it would have taken me back to films of the 1930s, even more so. So I'm, I'm right there with you on that. And the time will come. The time will come. We just right. have to get out and, and make the best of it uh, during mm -hmm. time. 
Well, Thomas, there is a documentary you're going to talk about, and this is a documentary that won a Critics' Choice, several Critics' Choice Awards, including, I think, Documentary of the Year just recently, correct? Yeah, won a Best Documentary Feature and Best Director at the uh, 2020 Critics' Choice Documentary Awards, so already getting a lot of attention in uh, this award season. This, the title is Dick Johnson is Dead, directed by Kirsten Johnson, and this is basically a love letter to her father, Dick Johnson, who is approaching the end of his life he has dementia and um but in certain ways she's trying to make the most of it and trying to send him out on the highest note possible um it's kind of morbid to think of it that way but uh, that's that's just her general approach to it she likes to approach it with black comedy and um just uh, satire uh as much as possible um so essentially the, it's a part documentary part real life fantasy um as they reenact ways in which perhaps dick johnson is going to die um they bring in stunt people they bring in makeup artists and directors to direct accidents quote accidents uh like an air conditioning unit falling on his head um, him falling down the stairs, um, him getting in the middle of a construction accident, having his carotid artery uh, accidentally sliced, um, all of that, but none of it is real. It's it's all staged and scripted, and uh, I don't think I've ever seen a documentary quite like this before. Um, I was laughing at certain points. I was tearing up at certain points, um, and it just goes to show the power of one individual's life and the impact that he can make uh it was really really moving um i'm glad i got to glad i got to witness this i know it wouldn't work for everybody i think dad you weren't the biggest fan of it but i think you appreciated what its approach was and what it was trying to do and what it was trying to say yeah i'm right there with you i i, I do agree that it, it wasn't my favorite but there, but i did appreciate the creative approach to doing this and i do love dark comedy i've always liked dark comedy uh, and there were certain scenes as I was watching it, I couldn't help but think back to Better Off Dead, the movie, and there were certain things that, that just happened, and you're like, oh, man. And, and I, I walked in on Thomas while he was watching this, and there's a scene where, uh, you know, the guy's at the bottom of the stairs, and you've got uh, legs turned ways that they shouldn't be turned, and it just looks painful. And so this is not a documentary for everybody, but it is truly a different kind of documentary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I would say you can probably get the most impact from it if you just approach it knowing nothing about the premise and just kind of go along for the ride and just take it all in as it's presented to you. Um, so I'm probably going to settle at about a B plus, um, but I've another one of those type of feelings that if I studied it more intently and analyzed it, it would probably be solid a plus um it's just a matter of going back and kind of fully appreciating everything that has to offer gotcha awesome and the uh documentary is called dick johnson is dead and he actually is not dead uh, but but there you go yeah. even though they do take his funeral as well that's another part of it uh, but he's he's still alive and well and, and it is getting uh, quite a bit of buzz and uh, critics choice uh, award for best documentary of uh, the year there's a new TriStar Pictures film out I want to talk to you a little bit about. It's based on a true story uh, from uh, this uh, book that was written uh, back years ago. The Man Who Made Vermeers is the name of the book. And the uh, film is called The Film is called The Last Vermeer. And it's uh, looking at post-World War II 
Holland. Uh, and this is literally just weeks after the end uh, of Nazis, uh, the Nazi regime. And you're, you're following this investigator who his job is to track down stolen works of art and the people responsible for stealing them and also uh, tracking down Nazi collaborators. Um, starring in this film, really the only name you're probably going to know and face is Guy Pierce. And Guy Pierce stars as this artist, this backroom art dealer, and also a forger. And he is over the top. And every time he's on the screen, he chews the scenery. And for me, this movie, from a production design standpoint, the score, the costumes, um, props, everything really did put me within that time period. And that was absolutely fascinating. I thought the editing was well done also. Uh, Guy Pierce. It was distracting a bit to watch him because he was just so out there. But uh, in, in doing a little bit more research, uh, I've, I've discovered that the guy that he was truly, that his uh, character was based on, was actually pretty much that way. Um, he was flamboyant. He was uh, over the top. Everywhere he went, he was a showman. And uh, so in this story, uh, one of the things that happened is Guy Pierce's character actually uh, sold these Vermeer paintings, this, these masterworks, these lost paintings that nobody had ever seen before. He sold them to the Nazis, the highest ranking Nazis. And so he's on trial for doing that, but there are some secrets relating to the artwork that come to light, which completely changes the artwork, uh, art world as well. Uh, a fascinating film. It's uh, it's a mystery thriller, but it's also a part courtroom drama, and a little bit of art history uh, thrown in to this film. Uh, I, I really appreciated this. I I, I I was intrigued from the beginning to the end, and uh, it has my full attention. A, a solid A rating uh, for the last premiere. It is a TriStar picture, uh, and you can find that uh, on demand and also in select theaters. Uh, it is called The Last Premiere. Uh, Adam, looks like we have just a minute, man, if you want to talk about this. Uh, what is it, like 150-something hours of Mission Impossible? Is that what it is? Well, it's uh, this is television, so technically we talk about movies, but but this ties in. These were made into films, of course. With uh, It's the uh, complete Mission Impossible. There we go. Uh, coming out December 1st from CBS Video and Paramount Home Entertainment. Uh, it's 143 hours and 45 minutes on 46 discs, 1977-73 on Blu-ray, all remastered, beautiful picture. If you're a fan of Mission Impossible, the original television series, well, this baby's going to do it for you. <laughs> so, so if you need something on a Christmas list, that might be one to consider. It's true, yes. Awesome. awesome. Well, Thomas, do you have any final thoughts or and she want to make sure you share before we wrap things up anything you've caught that you're like yeah people need to check this out you're muted so it doesn't really <laughs> all right i'm sorry yeah i don't think i have anything uh, as far as film wise to note but uh always good to have adam on the show i just want to thank you for your time today and uh just thanks for everything oh thank you man that's all kind of you i, I enjoy being on here bantering it up with you guys it's always fun and all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah. And Adam, people can find you. Uh, give us uh, give us the track down on where people can find you. 
Well, there's film, uh, or rather, focusnewspaper.com, uh, and there's a tab at the bottom of that page that has all my uh, reviews and all that stuff. You'll see it. And then there's moviegeeksunited.net, uh, where we have our latest episodes. I do a Blu-ray show once a month, do a roundup of all the physical discs, and we post that on there for your listening pleasure. It can be found at all the places like Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and you name it. And so uh, there you go. Thanks for joining us, Thomas. Good to see you as always. For all those tuning in, we appreciate you, and we do want to leave you with a movie quote of the week. And this does come from Mank. Uh, and this quote says, Every moment of my life is treacherous. So until next time, I'm Noel T. Manning II for Adam Long, for Thomas Manning, and for Meet Me at the Movies on C19 TV and WGWG. That's a wrap. <laughs>